that different side of research of, of looking at Ira Hayes and trying to dispel some of those uh, false assumptions about Ira Hayes. So if you were going to try to convince a, a non-history fan to, to read your book like me, h- how would how would you do that? Like, how would you uh, send listen that? to my wife? No, I- <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Talk With History. I am your host, Scott, here with my wife and historian, Jen. Hello. On this podcast, we give you insights to our history-inspired world travels, YouTube channel journey, and examine history through deeper conversations with the curious, the explorers, and the history lovers out there. Now, today we are in luck because we are joined by Tom Holm, the author of a brand new biography on Ira Hayes, the Native American who raised the flag on Iwo Jima in World War II. Picture the Iwo Jima Memorial at Arlington. Ira Hayes, I believe, is the person at the back of that group. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But this book titled Ira Hayes, the Akamel Odom Warrior, World War II, and the Price of Heroism. And Tom, please uh, forgive me if I mispronounce anything. You can correct me here in a bit. It's available now, and Tom was gracious enough to join us tonight to talk about it. So welcome, Tom. Thank you so much for joining us on the Talk With History. Thank you. It's great to be here. I really appreciate this. Yeah. So I'm going to introduce Tom a little bit more in just a second. But before we get too far into our conversation, I want to ask our listeners for one thing today, and it's not for reviews. What I want you guys to remember is is where you can find the links you need to find Tom's book or any other books that we talk about on this podcast. So obviously, we will link where you can find Tom's book in the show notes of this podcast. But if you don't want to dig it up there, you can always go to talkwithhistory.com and search for either Tom or for Ira Hayes to find the links where we have this book. So you can go to talkwithhistory.com, search Ira Hayes, and you will be able to find the links to that book so you can buy it on Amazon or wherever you can buy it. Now, our guest today is Mr. Tom Holm, as I mentioned earlier. He is a professor (laughs) emeritus of American Indian Studies at the University of Arizona. Professor Holm has published over 50 articles, books, pamphlets, government reports, book reviews, and book chapters, and more. An enrolled citizen of the Cherokee Nation with Muskegee Creek Ancestry, Tom has served on numerous Native American organization boards, panels, and working groups. He is a Marine Corps veteran of the Vietnam War and has taken part in several programs dealing with veterans affairs. So welcome, Tom, again. Thank you so much for joining us. So if you could, could you start a little bit on talking, tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you to researching and writing this book about Ira Hayes? Oh, well, I wrote an article, God, it was published in 1980, uh, about Native people in, in, in World War II. I did a, a good deal of work with the, with the Veterans Administration and the, during the 80s, particularly with Native veterans, or four Native veterans, actually. And got started on that, did a book, came out in 96 on, on Native Vietnam veterans. It's called Strong Hearts, More Than Souls. I did another book on Indian veterans in, in World War II. And then a friend of mine, well, actually two friends, 
David Martinez, at, who is at, a, at Arizona State University, and then Matt Gilbert, who's at, who's at the same university I was at, University of Arizona. <clears throat> they were, I guess they were searching for somebody uh, to, to look into and write about Ira Hayes. And David and Gilbert, who were very much part of that, of the Indian Studies programs at both these universities, recommended that I do it. And so 12 called me up and said, how about writing a book on, on Ira Hayes? And I said, oh, yeah, that would be great. I've been retired since 2009. I'm still, I'm still working though. <laughs> I can absolutely believe that you were one of those folks who will, who will just keep on, keep on going like the Energizer Bunny, looking at your resume yeah, and knowing a little bit of where you came from. Now, are you, you said before we went live here that you're in um, Arizona, are you born or raised in the Arizona area? Oh no, I was, I was born and raised in Oklahoma. Oh, okay. The uh, Cherokee Nation. There, oh, wow. Okay. Uh, which is the Northeastern part of, of the state. In a little town called Chelsea. Wow. So that's probably why you wrote you wrote a book about the Osage. Did a lot of your knowledge come from living there in Oklahoma during that time? Oh yeah, and that you know was one of my my kind of mystery uh, series that I've been doing. Uh, yeah, uh, the Osage Rose. That was mm-hmm. that was the one that uh, that uh, kind of got me interested in the, in, in the mystery. My the third uh, part of that of that. It's a trilogy. The first, the, the first one was was called Osage Rose. The second one was Anadarko, and the third one is coming out from uh, New Mexico uh, uh, Press, University of New Mexico Press. And it's called Panther Creek. They're all place names in uh, in Oklahoma. Yeah. I've, I've hung around. <laughs> <laughs> well, Doctor Holm, what I noticed what you do in your book, and I I tell people historians often do this. I had this conversation once when I was talking about the battle of little bighorn and Mm. I was talking about Lakota Sioux and somebody had said, you shouldn't use the word Sioux. And I had said, well, as a historian, you define your terms before you start and you define your terms based on what has been used historically, what would be the more common term for people to understand and you do that in the beginning of your book I notice and I appreciate that because that's historians have we have a hard time with that because every term can be considered derogatory at some point every term can be considered not accurate but we're trying to find the best terms to define the people we talk about and you talk about here how you enter you're going to use native Native American American Indian interchangeably I have tried to stress using American Indian more in my grad studies. It was more current, so we used American Indian, but I see Native American as so much in the past research that it's when you're researching, it's easier to pull that term out. How do you feel about those terms, and what do you find is the best one to define your culture? Well, I'm I'm 77, and so <laughs> I grew up with I grew up with Indian. Okay, and so that kind of still sticks with me and and that sort of thing but i think i think what's being used now and this is troubling in a way for me because i i can't quite being so old i can't quite wrap my head around it yet here's the the term indigenous Mm. and indigenous is being used a lot now and so that's fine with me i have a hard time using it sure 
somebody will say indigenous and and in in my mind I think of it in the lower case and that and just means the same as native. That makes uh, sense. I know that Aboriginal is not uh, is not used more at all, although it was used hundred hundred years ago. Native Native American. That's a pretty good term. Uh, up in Canada, they use First Nations. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so that's, I just, I think that it's all okay. Yeah. All these terms are fine. I don't care. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know who I am. So it's okay. So when we uh, talk about Ira Hayes, he's mm-hmm. not, uh, is he of the Cherokee Nation? No, he was Akimel Otham. Otham, okay. Yes. And, and is that and from Arizona? That, yeah, that that's from Arizona. They're from Arizona. They're formerly called well, that some people still do call themselves Pima. Okay. And but I I use the term Akimel Autumn through that because that's the original, uh, that's their original name. So I use that. And I was just up there very recently, gave a little talk at, at the Ira Hayes Library in Sacaton, Arizona, which is on the on the Gila River reservation and Gila River Reservation is where he came from. He was actually born in Sacaton and he moved to a place called Bapchulia and uh, that was all on the Gila River uh, Reservation. Now I, I believe when I was reading the some of the summary notes and things like that I mean Ira Hayes received a fair amount of publicity when he, oh, yeah. he came back and there was lots of articles and I guess he was pretty well covered. So when it came to research, I mean, how long did it take you to, to research this book specifically and, and what kind, what was your kind of some of your biggest sources of research that you were using while you were writing this book? Well, there were two biographies that were written about Ira before this one. And then a kind of a combination of semi combination of, of uh, with three people who were went, went on the tour for raising after raising the the flag that was the flags of our fathers mm-hmm. but then you go back to oh gosh a guy by the name of albert hemingway wrote a book about and actually focused in on ira's time in the marine corps and then there was william bradford huey who was who wrote a book it was a book that at first they called the outsider and other stories mm-hmm. and it was about you know, was about it was first done actually in in a book that Huey wrote about about the killing of uh, Emmett Till. Oh, and then and then he combined that with the with the book The Outsider. The Outsider became a movie starring Tony Curtis. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the uh, first movie actually about Ira's life was that was actually a, a television drama. Uh, and Lee Marvin played Ira. Tony Curtis played Ira in The Outsider, the blue-eyed Ira. I know. <laughs> so we, we visited Lee Marvin's grave before in Arlington. Uh-huh. He's also a Marine, but yeah. neither one of those men are American Indian. And no. so they're playing an American Indian. I mean, like you said, Tony Curtis is blue-eyed. And yeah. I even think Lee Marvin's like blonde. I mean, that was slightly more common back in <laughs> back in in that era. Yeah, as, it was. Well. It was part and parcel of of, of movies then. That, yeah. that they called it. Well, earlier they called uh, called the white men who would play 
black people, mm-hmm. black face. Yes. And then there was, there was, of course, the brown face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was even, even at one time, there was the, the term yellow face for, for yes. white men playing uh, Asian. Yes. Character. Yeah. So, yeah. That, now, one of the things that you had mentioned, and, and if you haven't heard the podcast before, I joke all the time. Jen's the history buff. Mm-hmm. She's the historian. I, I'm the. I married into the to the history nerd family <laughs> here. And you mentioned something that kind of caught my attention earlier because I actually hadn't heard this. But you you said that the men who raised the flag at, at Iwo Jima, or at least a couple of them, went on like a tour around the United mm-hmm. States. Is that something that happened? Right. Yeah. It, they they brought three of them home. There was Rene Gagnon and Jack Bradley and Ira. Now, that it, it wasn't actually, I suppose, discovered until 2019 that Bradley and Gagnon were not actually at, they, they did not raise the flag. Oh, wow. So of the six that were that raised the flag, uh, three were killed later on, and one who was who was a, a very good friend to Ira was named Franklin Sosley, and Sosley was from uh, I believe Kentucky, and he was a young young guy, and of course Ira was the veteran of that bunch, and because he had fought at at Bougainville, and uh, before, and really a horrible battle there, and then of course uh, takes part in. One of the worst battles in, in World War II, Iwo Jima. But Franklin Sosley helped raise the flag, and a guy named Keller, and a few others. But the thing that was is that they discovered that there were two others who, who raised the flag, and actually Gagnon and Bradley were not in that photograph. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so he was also a good friend to. Two other guys that, that that were killed later on after the flag raising, and so he was actually the only one who was recognized who had been actually in the, the photograph, the the iconic he, photograph, yeah. and the photograph. That's the second flag raising. So that's where right. sometimes the confusion comes in because there was a first flag raising, there was a second flag raising. The second flag raising is the iconic photograph. That is the Pulitzer winning photograph. Rosenthal took the photograph. Rosenthal made it back mm-hmm. and he, he received a Pulitzer. And yes. He defended that that photograph for the, for the rest of his life. They, they, everybody was on him. There was a big CBS broadcast, radio broadcast, that that claimed that it was it was staged. Yes, and that's not true. So the commander of the forces came upon the island and wanted the flag. Right. And he asked for it, the smaller, it was a smaller flag, and he asked for it, and they cut it down. And so then they put up a second bigger flag to be seen around the whole island. It wasn't staged. And that was the picture. And that's the picture. Oh, interesting. That's the picture. Yeah, as a matter of fact, let me see if I can... Yeah, the the marine who took the you can you can see it in there. There's a film uh, that he made of the flag raising. And you can you can see it go up, and it's almost at the same. They, I I guess he was standing about three feet away from Rosenthal, and so you can actually see it go up. And then Ira, who was the last guy in the, in the of the six, came up and then puts his weight on. 
the uh, the flag to drive it into the into the uh, ground further, and that was captured on film. And of course, the iconic photograph that was was just snapped. Right. So and that and I also stress that's not a flag pole because they're not like no. bringing a flag pole on the ship with them. Yeah. It's a flag pole. <laughs> yeah. It's a pipe. It's yeah. a, they found a pipe and they were able to put the flag on a pipe and put the pipe up because, I mean, so it's all symbolic in the moment. Um, and, and it was made, a heavy lead pipe, so mm-hmm. that's why it took so many of them to put up. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. It, it, was a, it was a long, very heavy pipe. Dyra and, and Frank Soslade were the ones that, that kind of brought that that pipe up. Wow. The other flag was on a different pipe. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. First flag. So, so while you were doing the research for on Ira Hayes, right in the book, was there anything in in particular, or maybe there was a couple things that that you actually learned or discovered about Ira Hayes that you either hadn't known before or that was surprising to you as you dug into this research? Well, we we've always heard about how Ira was a, a kind of introspective and quiet and and this sort of thing. Uh, he 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 was to a certain extent. He he really he really tried to be, and this is this is very very much a part of the Akimel Otham ethos: is to be humble and to be generous and to and that sort of thing. And he he was that, but he also had his his fun side and and things like that. There were two two stories that I I, I found in other biographies that he used to open a beer bottle with his teeth, sort of thing. Yeah, leave it to a Marine. <laughs> really wanted to do with this after I started really getting into it. And I, and I relied a lot on the, on the news, newspapers. In the movies and the books that have been written, I think books that have been written are, are really before, except maybe for the Flags uh, of Our Fathers book, were written before they knew anything about PTSD. And so I really wanted to get that out. I wanted to to kind of show that that was that was one of Ira's problems. The other one was was the the notion of alcoholism that kind of pervades what what the newspapers and what people know about him. And I had to I had to really dig into this, and so I had to dig into a lot of this, the, the literature on on alcohol abuse. And and actually, we we have on our minds this this kind of uh, this kind of alcoholism that you needed every day in this kind of thing. Well, actually, Ira was a was a binge drinker. He he was a, he he worked in the fields, uh, and had on on his home reservation, and that was incredibly hard work. If if they were pick cotton or just the crops or anything like that, incredibly hard work. And what what I found out, of course, is that is that everybody, I think, <laughs> you know, blue collar workers everywhere would do their week's worth of work and then on the weekends you go out and have a few drinks. And Iris was well known and so he would go into town and people would buy him drinks. Uh, because he was well known. The other thing about being a celebrity at that time, and this is this is the uh, problem, I guess, with Arizona at the time, is that the racism in Arizona was very, very 
widespread and concentrated primarily against Mexican-Americans, immigrants, and, and American Indians. They're very, they, they picked on blacks when they found them, when you put it that way. And they, but Ira was well known and he was arrested, they say, he was arrested about 50 times in about nine years. So that was a bunch. And I have very, very strong belief that police arrested him because they knew who he was. Also, they were going on the, on the stereotype of, 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 the, of the Indian alcohol. So the, 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 the drunken, drunken Indian stereotype that, uh, that happened. And, and this is one of the things I think that the, the area was, they used, to, they used to round up the drunks and then put them in this place that they called Camino de los Winos. And what it was, was that it was primarily black and brown people who were thrown in there. Mostly, mostly Mexican, either migrant laborers, laborers or, or Mexican-Americans in Chicago. I, I read in your book, that is a narrative you're fighting against because Ira Hayes had that reputation and people right. still think that today. And you wanted to, I really appreciate you went on kind of a, a quest to talk about PTSD more in a way that he, what did he have to, to deal with this? What was available to him? And that seemed to be the easiest thing, the quickest thing. And like you said, people were buying it for him. And at the time, alcoholism was looked at a lot differently than it is today. I mean, alcohol was a way of life. Like you think about in the 50s, everybody had drinks before dinner. It was the thing to it. It was a normal part of being an adult was a drinking culture. And I I really appreciate that you because that that is a narrative that you see a lot in the newspapers and even on his death certificate. And so you're not he's not given the chance that it was exposure or it was hypothermia. It's alcoholism. So and here's someone who's dealing with PTSD. And at the time, people, like you said, didn't know quite what that was. The shell shock was coming yeah, into the thousand yard stare. Yeah, the, like those things were happening. But like you said, people were trying to show their appreciation. I loved how Dean Martin's family welcomed him in and and Dean Martin's wife, you know, wanted and he I think he really wanted to be that to people, but he didn't have the tools to deal with the PTSD. And because there's no therapy, there's no medication, the only medication you have is alcohol. And that is hard to even regulate that that's what this young man had to his disposal. And ultimately it was his downfall. But I love how you're working against that narrative. He's so much more than that. And in a way, it's like most people who come home with PTSD and they're not given the proper tools to deal with it. It's like a self-medicate. Yeah. And and it's it's really a, a failure of the U.S. military and taking care of people who come home with this kind of trauma. Well, and, and one of the things that we like to talk about on Talk With History is is the lens that we mm-hmm. 
we look at at a historical event or a, or a historical figure through and and I think it's interesting and in just talking with you you know right now is the lens that you were able to to look at this through right come from your your own personal history right and and you wanted to fight against the narrative of the reputation that Ira Hayes had and and connecting what now as you say it because you did the research and you wrote the book but you said, hey, he was probably arrested because he was well known, because there was, you know, tendencies against, you know, against the, the Native Americans at that time. And he was just out there drinking with everybody else, but people would buy him drinks because he was well known. And then he would get arrested because he was well known. And then the, you know, is that plus the stereotype against Native Americans for alcoholism that all added up? into what was probably a false reputation that he had to your point. So I appreciate the lens that you brought to that because that's, it's not something that, you know, had I been researching this, right, with my own personal background, I wouldn't have been able to look at it through that same lens. No, oh, well, I appreciate that. I, that, that, was, that was something that a lot of us came back with. And I did. I, I mean, you talk about it, you talk about it, you say something on the order of, I had my head in a bottle for a while. And, and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, you, I guess it was a little bit better for my era because there was some help uh, by way of the VA and that kind of thing. But there was absolutely none in, in, that, in that page. So I ever had nothing. There was the, the Veterans Administration existed, but I mean, as as far as 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 far as treatment for for the thousand yard stare or or the or the combat fatigue they would call it or something like that 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 didn't exist, and so people would slap you on the back and say. Hey, get over it or have a drink. <laughs> yeah. Well, everything below the neck was fine. So they didn't yeah. know how to treat it. They, right. they they felt like you're fine. You're home and you're in one piece. Right. What's wrong with you? Has anyone else from your culture, from the Native American, American Indian, written a book about Ira Hayes? Were any of the biographers, did they have any kind of background like that? No. Uh-uh. William Bradford Huey utilized. He he was he was really focused on going to the reservation and getting Ira's letters that he sent home. So he did. He that was pretty good research, and he did have those those letters and he utilized those. Hemingway primarily interviewed the guys that Ira served with, and that was that was really revealing. Uh, and whereas my take on it, I guess, was I really wanted to emphasize the PTSD and get and then go after this this drunken Indian stereotype. So that's that was I mean three different photographers and what what you focused on. I actually feared taking on the job because I was worried that I'm going to be accused of of bias. Yeah, and. And to a great extent, that that's true. <laughs> Got to admit, every historian <laughs> has it. You can't shy away from yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. The other thing about it is that there was a, a kind of a stereotype that that came about the movie The Outsider. 
With Tony Curtis. Mm-hmm. With Tony Curtis. It made Ira into a kind of a bumbling moron thing. You ever seen a movie, Full Metal Jacket? Mm-hmm. Okay. Matthew Modine takes over mm-hmm. Gomer Pyle's yep. thing. Well, that's exactly the way that movie, The Outsider, ran. Okay. okay. And that was nothing like the truth. No, not at all. I mean, this guy, this guy qualified to go to, to jump school. Yeah. And he went, he went to jump school and graduated really high in his, in his class. And was one of the very, very few Marines who became paratroopers. Not many people know about this, and, and I had to do the research on this, because this was good to but there were two kind of groups in the Marine Corps during World War II that, that were really highly trained in, in this sort of thing. That was the Raiders and the parachute, and, and they, what they called themselves the chutes. But yeah, they were, uh, they were, it was pretty rigorous training. Yeah. I, I never have gotten to it. And you need to have some kind of intelligence to do that sort of thing. And so that's, that's yeah. a lot. His papers today, his letters, his service record, where is that all held? Is it held at Arizona State or University of Arizona? No, most of it's still on the reservation. Yeah. And they, they do have a library there with his name. Okay. And they have, and then, and then there are family, family members are still around. And uh, of course he, he grew up in a, and extended native family. So these letters get passed around here. He wrote a lot, uh, but I, like I said, I just, I, I went with the more of the, more toward the popular culture side of, of him. Now, and he was actually in a movie, isn't he in Sansa Iwo yeah. Jima with John Wayne? He was, well, the three of them, Gagnon and uh, Bradley and, and Ira were in that, were in that movie. Mm-hmm. And, John is carrying the flag and he's wounded and he hands the flag to Gagnon and said, get up the hill. And then uh, John Wayne croaks. Yeah. You know? huh. I don't think <laughs> I've seen that one yet. <laughs> yeah. Right. Was that his only movie that he made? That was his only experience yes. on a set? Yeah, it was interesting. Ruella Parsons, the, the, uh, the, the kind of woman who was doing it, she used to write a, a column on Hollywood and she she wrote one article saying that Ira was going to be a star and they wanted him to do a, a one movie. I forgot what that was all about, but it was, it was interesting. It didn't come to pass. Sure. So the biggest takeaway you would want someone, I think this is a great time to have your book out right before Christmas. And we just celebrated Marine Corps birthday. We just celebrated Veterans Day. Do you want people... The biggest takeaway about Ira Hayes, for me looking at this, is you just want him to see him more as a man and a, not not a narrative. What 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 would you like people to know about him that they don't already? Oh, well, let's see. He was... He was very much a... I could say it other than... He was very much a traditional... Akimel Ockham person. He believed and he, I would say that that Akimel Ockham they, they have a, just from talking to a lot of folks and reading about about them is that they're one very spiritual people. 
and to the virtues of being a Takimel Autumn person. It emphasizes honesty. These virtues are very important. Humility, generosity, and courage. And that's what I've been told several times, that's what made a warrior. And so that rang true, I think, in Irish. Absolutely. Even sitting with his grave at Arlington, I really felt that about him, especially the courage, but the humility. If you go and visit Ira Hayes' grave in Arlington, it looks no different than anybody else's. It's not ostentatious. It's not in a specific special area. It looks like everybody else's white stone marble grave. And so I think when you find people who are so humble and they want to be among their fellow soldiers, Ira Hayes is one of those. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that that you've been able to to again provide your perspective, right, and your research, and kind of and have that that different take. Um, that that different side of research of of looking at Ira Hayes and trying to dispel some of those, um, so I, I would call them false assumptions and and kind of reputations about Ira Hayes. So w- one of the things I, I like to ask is like a close to wrap up question here. So if you were going to try to convince a, a non history fan to to read your book, like me, h- how would how would you do that? Like how would you listen that- to my wife? No, I- <laughs> <laughs> there you go. See, that's, I do that all the time. Like, hey, if you want to read this, let, hold on. Let me let me get bring my wife over here. She'll pitch yeah. this book to you. <laughs> I guess I would emphasize that I'm really trying to correct stereotypes in this. The other thing I'm trying to do with it is that I, I think that, that Iru was cheated out of, a, out of something, too. There was one story that, that really Hemingway talks about, that this because one of the guys that he interviewed that, that served with Ira on Iwo Jima recorded, actually, what happened. It appears that they were under fire from something, and, and there was, I, I don't know what caliber it was, but there was a guy who got up and ran from his hole with a unexploded shell in his arm. Ira jumped up, stopped him, pulled it out, and threw it, and it blew up. Now, they, at the time, they didn't have the the, the Navy accommodation of Navy achievement medals. And they put him in for a bronze star. And he didn't get it. He got a letter of recommendation, or a letter of accommodation. Wow. That's surprising. And so that was one of my, and, and later it turned into a Navy comment. What I'd like to do, and I and I told this to, to folks up in, up, in the, up in the reservation, I'd really to see see that upgraded yep. to that Bronze Star. Thank and, and we were saying, yeah, I guess that's a good idea. So I, I got in touch with our Senator, Kelly, and I got a letter back from from one of his staffers saying that the next of kin has to do that. Yeah, has to make that request. So I'm going to go back up to the reservation pretty soon and uh, talk to one of his relatives, see if they can't 
Yeah, yeah that's great. Go, Good for go, you. Yeah, go at Kelly for a while. <laughs> no, and I think that is 100% true because as a historian and as somebody who has done, we've done Arlington National Cemetery a couple of times, Ira Hayes needs a more prominent story told about him. He's not a grave that is widely visited or even on the list of more of the notable graves. And he should be. He absolutely should be because not only what he did in World War II, but his depiction, his actual depiction on the Iwo Jima Memorial in that photograph and what he did afterwards. I really think he is somebody who should be celebrated. So I, I commend you for what you do. And, um, I definitely will. Well, hopefully, we can do it. I have an I have a I have a, an old friend of mine by the name of uh, Billy Walkabout uh, that I'm trying to work on that one too. It was airborne in Vietnam, and he actually saved a few guys. He was in the jungle on a long range patrol, and they got in an ambush, and they were trying to extract his squad. And so they're the helicopters to have an extractor to go down through the through the, the canopy, and evidently it, it, the, the, the helicopter itself wandered off. Billy got up and ran to and ran and was trying to get that extractor and bring it back. <laughs> you know, yeah. And while he was doing it, he had to actually go in hand-to-hand combat with, with several Indian soldiers wounded i think they they got they stuck him with a bayonet they shot him in the leg and, and all this kind of stuff huh? if anybody deserved a, a medal of honor i think it really well i i will make sure that we have the link to to your book to the ira hayes biography that. that you wrote in our podcast show notes and as well as you so you can search folks and search for it over at ira at talkwithhistory.com they can search for for ira hayes i appreciate that very very much absolutely absolutely it's so it's been a pleasure thank you it's been an absolute pleasure and for those listening thank you for listening to the talk with history podcast and please reach out to us at our website talkwithhistory.com but more importantly if you know someone else that might enjoy this episode please share it with them especially if you think they would be interested in this book We rely on you, our community, to grow, and we appreciate you all every day. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Jim, that that, that pilot was in the Army. That explains it. That explains Uh, it. I always tell people the best pilots are the Navy pilots. When you have to land on a ship pitching and rolling in the ocean. That's right. And there's nowhere else to go.